everyone. Welcome to the Practica Podcast, where we encourage the practical application of the pulpit ministry in the local church. My name is Josh Loftus, and I'm here, as always, with my co-host... I'm David. Da- <laughs> I'm just jumping the gun there, huh? You're just, just not, not going to give me the opportunity. <laughs> no, I no. figured if we're both tired, I might as well just, you know, try to... Let's just speed this along. David, what did you preach on? <laughs> <laughs> the Cross of Christ... Resurrection Sunday. Lots of ways to apply that. Go and do it. See you next week. See you next week. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, If only it was that easy. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's not. Sometimes I think we'd wish. Sometimes at other times, like, no, I'm glad it's not. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, well, I'm sure people that are listening sometimes wish, like, it was that (laughs) quick, too. And be like, just just give me the cliff notes, the bullet points, and move on. Why are you talking for a half hour? (laughs) You know, at the same time, I've had a few people say, "Hey, will you will you make it longer, longer, longer?" And I and I think the advantage we have that a lot of podcasts don't is that you're talking about listeners that know us, that you know interact sure, with. Sure. You know, if if there's something I even say in the podcast, you know, where you do, they yeah. can literally send a message and be like, "What are you talking about there?" You know, can you even explain further? Or talk with me about it and sure sure so yeah. i think there's advantages that this podcast has and you know if we go over by five minutes oh, um, there's some grace there people as, are like oh it's yeah. just david as long he goes as... over at least five minutes every sunday <laughs> man there is i will say we are very um privileged i don't know if privilege is the right word we're very blessed at yeah. redeemer that no one's watching the clock in expositions. I think if I was to ramble, there are probably brother, brothers who are like, I hear what you're trying to do, but like you wasted five minutes in that exposition just doing nothing. <laughs> sure. But like, man, I I will sit down. There's another pastor in our area who like who struggles with uh, just only a couple people in his church who literally will complain about sermon length. Oh, man. And he is a way better preacher than I am. And then it's hard because then you look around at like the valley and there's there's like tons of guys that are all preaching, sure, you know, the, the same amount of time. But anyways, that's not what we were going to talk about. No, we're no, we are we are talking about Christ crucified. We are, and yes. so that was kind of a, a lead in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But 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 I mean, before we do that, you said you had something for me. I do. Oh boy, I do. The I got shoes the, on the other foot. I know. I got the hookup with the jokes this week. Okay, now is this I, a joke that that you personally curated, or is this one that was provided to you by a faithful listener? So uh, <laughs> I don't know if if she's a faithful listener, but Katie uh, was over at my house this last week. Okay. I did encourage her to listen, especially I was like, "You need Katie, to go listen to last should week." Be listening, Katie. <laughs> Come on, Katie. I, I told her, like, hey, you got a shout out because I right. used a dad joke that she had posted online. Yeah. And then I told her, like, hey, I need your help because dad jokes are all over the place, but they're not always great. No, they're not. Katie's really good at posting ones she thinks are funny. Okay. And so the ones that she posts, I tend to enjoy. And so I texted her yesterday and I was like, hey, I need you to send me some dad jokes. So I got two for you. So if the Two. first one doesn't stick, oh, you're spoiling me this morning. Yeah. If, okay. If, if uh, the first one doesn't stick, we'll try, I'll try to throw another one at all you. All right. All right. So they Hit told me. me I'd never be good at poetry because I'm dyslexic, but so far I've made three jugs in a vase, and they're really lovely. Three jugs in a 
They said I'd never be good at poetry. Okay. Because I'm dyslexic. But so far I've made three jugs and a vase. (laughs) They're really lovely. Okay. (laughs) You get it? No, I mean, I know it's something to do with jugs and a vase. If you're dyslexic, you'll say pottery is you'll say pottery. Pottery oh, oh okay. It's not oh, funny if you have to explain it. I am so <laughs> okay, stupid. Here's, here's okay. an easy so one no, for no, you. No, no, no. So hold on. Let me explain <laughs> to you why I was struggling with that because I don't want people just to think like, "Wow, okay, Josh." So okay. No, they do. We I can move not, on. Uh, that's fine. You know what? <laughs> okay. No, explain that to hurts. us. So I thought the punchline had something to do with jugs and vase because they're dyslexic. They're reading it backwards. So I was trying to reverse the letters of jugs and vase, and I was like, wait, vase. You're reversing the wrong word. Yes. And I didn't know that the punchline, I didn't know that it it was centered on the word poetry instead of pottery. That's awesome. David. I'm so dumb. <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, we'll em- I need the other one to redeem myself. We'll embrace myself. it together. I-, I need the other one to redeem myself. Well, I can't promise this em- one's better, but this is definitely one my boys thought was hilarious. Okay, then if your boys got it, then I have hope. <laughs> yeah, you have great hope. Yeah, I have great hope. So a grasshopper walks into a bar, and the bartender says, Hey, we have a drink named after you. And the grasshopper, all excited, replies, What? You have a drink named Steve? <laughs> <laughs> That's not bad. <laughs> okay. I thought that, that was really That good. was a little bit more on my level. <laughs> yeah. My yeah. youngest was like, ha, Steve. <laughs> Classic Steve. Yeah. <laughs> my youngest will always respond oh, to jokes like, I totally get it. Yeah. Oh, you understand? No. What? What'd you say? Yeah. No. Hey, I'm just glad I'm. I'm just glad I'm here. I'm just yeah. glad to be part of the crowd. Right? I'm just happy good. to be here, people. Oh man. All right. Well, that was. Uh, that was. That was something. That was something. You know what? We're going to get to important things and read the Bible because yes. um, it's something that I can actually somewhat wrap my head around. <laughs> Good. <laughs> yeah. Good. Uh, so this past Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday. Yes. Um, my favorite Lord's Day out of the year. I mean, I know that's probably pretty cliche, but it honestly is. Like, I love Resurrection Sunday. It is just the cul- it's just, it, it always feels like it's the culmination of everything that we preach. I mean, I mean, theologically, it is right. Like, it's the culmination of everything that we preach. Right, yeah. and it's just that having that specific focus on that specific Lord's Day is always just I just I just absolutely love it. So you were in First um, Corinthians mm-hmm. chapter five, 15. right? Uh, excuse me, fifteen. <laughs> Could you imagine if I did well, chapter five? I was looking. Hey, at we're going to talk about church discipline. I was looking at Welcome chapter five, Easter. and I'm like, huh? Sexual immorality defiles the church. <laughs> yeah. Wonder how he tied this in. <laughs> Glad all of you are here as guests. Now we're going to talk about why you're in oh, sin for not being here every Sunday oh, before my this. Goodness, David, <laughs> that's so, horrible. Okay. So well, I mean, like, so I, I don't know how other. I don't know how else you would preach that, like, on a resurrection Sunday. Like, he is risen, you heathens. Yeah, he is risen. You because, better be here next and week because he is king. You are all under judgment. <laughs> all right. Excuse me. First Corinthians fifteen. Yeah. Uh, verses one through five. Correct. Right. Okay. So I'm going to read that for us, and you're going to give us a brief uh, ex- <laughs> ex- explanation 
of your exposition, and then we're going to get into practical You know what's really funny? What? I thought that, that the episode would be uh, really, really boring because you and I are the only ones in the room. Yeah. I think we're a little more out of control. Yeah. <laughs> no one's when other people us. are here, we behave ourselves because we <laughs> yeah. feel like, okay, we got to be professional. We can't like act super strange when nobody's here. <laughs> yeah. It's literally just you and me. The hinge is off. It's off. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We didn't like, it's not even on the door. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. First Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse one through five. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, as of first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins, in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. The grass withers, the flower fades, the word of our God endures forever. Amen. Amen, amen. Awesome passage. Yeah, fantastic. I can see why you chose it for Easter Sunday. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. So why don't you walk us through a little bit on what you talked about, and then we'll start getting into some of the application of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so on uh, the Lord's Day, we went over um, really not only grasping what the gospel is, but in ex- expositing those five verses, also talking about getting the gospel right. Mm-hmm. I really tried to convey in the beginning that, you know, Paul is talking, um, uh, he's trying to address what the gospel rightly is in light of those who are denying the resurrection of Christ. I think it's verse 14 where he makes the point that, you know, if Christ has not been raised, then then both their preaching, the, the apostles' preaching, and the believer's faith is just completely in vain. And so I really tried to drive home, like, week after week, every sermon has to point to the person of Christ and his finished work. And so from that, those five verses, we really looked at how the gospel is good news, which is fulfilled in Scripture and revealed in the risen Savior. And so... Again, Paul is really saying he's switching, you know, he's he's really shifting to a new topic, really to conclude his first love or a letter to the to the church in Corinth um, by focusing on the gospel. Mm-hmm. And in that, he's showing how the gospel is good news, how we need to remember that, how we need to hold to that, and how we need to believe upon that. And so... In that, he really drives home saying, this is what I preached to you. I didn't preach to you something I made up, but I preached to you what was delivered to me, what I received, what I've held. So he's really driving home the point that those who hold the gospel are recipients of grace. They've been given faith and grace to believe by the sovereign God of the universe. And and then he, then he roots it in the scriptures, which again, in Paul's context, he's not saying, you know, pull out your your uh, crossway ESV pew bible he's telling them this is rooted in the old testament right and so i've tried to walk us through um both some obvious and not so obvious passages um again really showing that christ was the promised offspring um from the garden forward the the first time the gospels proclaimed is actually in a victorious statement over the serpent um, where God promises uh, the offspring of the woman will come and mm-hmm. it will crush, he will crush your head yep. and you will bruise his side. 
And so in that, it was a, a, a profound... Um, or he will bruise your heel. heel. Yeah, heel. to clarify. Yeah. Yeah. It's an important thing to clarify. So in that, um, that really carries through all the way to what Paul's saying. Um, and so you have multiple passages of Scripture that are just filled with with hope and promise. And so Paul's saying, listen, I didn't make this up. The other apostles are not making this up. This is what God has said, because the gospel is not ours. It is God's. And he has proclaimed this message, and we are we are repeaters, as Spurgeon would say. Um, we're receivers and repeaters. We are not those who make up uh, a, a gospel. And so in that, I really drove home in the end how all these things are then revealed in the risen Christ. Um, I think often when you hear of people talk about the evidence of the resurrection, they focus on you know science, biology, and all those things are of great value. But the evidence of the gospel is first in who God is and what he's done. Um, And so at the end, then we talked about, listen, there are physical evidences and especially of witnesses. And so I focused on verse 5. You know, obviously you go into... Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, and Paul gets into like how Jesus appeared to more than 500 disciples. And and so you've got this mass number. But the thing that I tried to, to really drive home was that Christ revealed himself as the risen Savior first to his disciples. It says first to Peter and also to the, the 12. And so when he did that, you see in the Gospels a special appearing, which that points to how God had intended for the gospel to go forward. Mm -hmm. And so from the beginning to the end, we're looking at how the gospel, which is good news, is fulfilled in the Old Testament, and then it drives home to the revealed Christ as was proclaimed by the apostles to today. And so then we are looking upon their writing, which points us to Christ. So all that to say, um, that is really what what we focused on. And the reality that the Lord's Day is a incredible celebration um, on the risen Christ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it is. I think when I read that right, and I just see the evidences for that in Scripture, it, it always brings to mind for me personally. And this is a point of application too. Is to dive into what we call covenantal theology, right? Because it 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 gives you the means, the template, if you will, of how to interpret Scripture, right? And when we look at something like this story, where 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 you know, just like you were saying, like Paul says, like, like this was handed down to you. This is something that you know. It has been preached to you through the law, right. right? Everything that you know, everything that you have hoped for, everything you have preached has been pointing you to this moment, right? And we see that in covenantal theology in that if we're going to interpret scripture correctly, we look at scripture and we are constantly looking wherever we are in the Bible, we're constantly looking for Christ, right? And like like you said, the gospel was proclaimed in Genesis, and we see it in Genesis, right? That promised Messiah, right? And then the promise of you know, all through 
the the law that God handed down to his people, right? We see even God choosing Israel, plucking them out among the nations. Nothing to do with them. Right. Everything to do with his will and his glory. Yeah. Right. We see that as a picture of election. Right. And the greater, more more glorious truth of how salvation happens, right? The sacrificial system that God instituted, we see that pointing towards something. Right, showing the truth that there must be shedding of blood for remissions of sins. That's yeah. how it works, right? Yeah. And it's, I think it's very important that we as Christians, especially those of us who confess Reformed theology, to understand that the entirety of Scripture is pointing and centered around the person of Christ. Right, And as you are reading Scripture, and when you have that mentality, that affects the way that you read Scripture. That affects the way you study the Bible. That affects the way you you interpret Scripture. And I think it gives us a more biblical understanding of how we are to read Scripture when we understand that, you know, I'm read you know, you know, I might be reading through Ecclesiastes or I might be reading through Lamentations or I might be reading through, you know, uh, Deuteronomy, something like that. When you have the template of, and understanding that no, this all of this, this is this is pointing to Christ. Everything's pointing to Christ. It gives you a much more biblical understanding of how to interpret scripture. So, kind of a kind of a rabbit trail, but 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 what what you are emphasizing in that really is the crux of covenantal theology. Sure, <laughs> that it is one cyclical thing that is pointing and ultimately manifesting itself in the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, when he finally shows up, right in the right in the center of the Bible, right. Right. Well, Nehemiah Cox would say <clears throat> the the best interpreter of the Old Testament is the Holy Spirit in the New Testament, mm, and yeah. so the you know one of the things we did right in the the middle of the exposition, yeah, was to go back and look at the Abrahamic covenant and what God promised to Abraham and his offspring, and then you fast forward to Galatians three. And Paul is literally saying, here's what's then promised, and it doesn't say offsprings, plural. Mm. It's not talking about Israel. Right. It's talking about true spiritual Israel, right. which is Jesus it, Christ. Yeah. And and so Paul literally says, it says offspring, which is Christ. That's his point in Galatians 3. And so in that, you find this important application is that all then points to Christ. Mm-hmm. I really tried to drive home that point. Like it is in through in Christ, by Christ, through Christ, and because of Christ right. that we have salvation. And so I think one of the things when we talk about practical application, then I think especially what's valuable to hear from you, Josh, in the biblical counseling perspective is how do we apply the gospel to all of life? I think there's probably, you know, a basic understanding, you know, like, well, I'm a great sinner and there's sure. there's nothing good I can do on my own. I'm not sufficient or able to, you know, pull myself up by my bootstraps, as they would say, sure, and, sure. and make myself right before God. But how do you take the truth of the gospel and have it be your whole focus mm-hmm. as you walk throughout the week? Yeah, yeah, I think it's it it starts with kind of what you just said is is you need to realize and this is something like I I remember when the Lord kind of showed this to me 
too, right? Because um, I, I grew up kind of with the mentality that the gospel was utilized just kind of for a one-time thing, right? Mm. It gets me saved, right? It cleanses me of my sins, and then I move on to theology, right? And <laughs> It's and your get-out-of-hell-free card. Exactly, exactly. And, and so I think we need to understand as Christians that the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, the fact that he has come to save sinners, of which I am at the forefront, right? That is a truth that must infiltrate every aspect of who we are. It has to infiltrate my thinking. It has to infiltrate my speech, my motives, my actions. Understanding that I have nothing without the person of Jesus Christ without the sustaining hope that I have because of the work that Christ has done on my behalf. That that has to be at the forefront of our minds, right? Because that's going to result in, in, I mean, hopefully a lot, but, but, but mainly two, two things, right? One, it's going to spur you on toward righteousness and striving toward the image of the one that saved you. Right, because you have been saved from eternal damnation, because you are no longer having to to live according to the law when it comes to your righteousness, right? Right. Because we are now the recipients of the mediation of a perfect Savior. That should be the greatest motivator to then live lives that follow the will of our Father. The one who saved us. Yeah. Right? I think it's very important that we understand that, you know, Paul speaks about sinning that grace may abound, right? And he says, absolutely not. If you have that mentality, if you view salvation as cheap grace, you truly do not understand the salvation you have been given. Yeah. Right? So we need to understand that as we are walking through this Christian life, we need to be striving for the image of Jesus Christ, loving what he loves, hating what he hates, right? And our lives should be in a constant state of evolution in this coming to a more greater conforming to his image. We call this sanctification, right? Yeah. It's becoming more like Jesus. Yeah. Right. In our thoughts, speech, actions, the entire person. Right. The gospel must affect the entire person. Um, I, I put on social media. I can't remember exactly what I said, but but I said I said something to the effect of when Jesus saves, he does not save partially. He saves the entire person that every aspect of who you are must be under subjection to the hands of the carpenter of Nazareth. Yeah. Right. And that's what Jesus does when he saves. Right. And we begin to have a change in our lives. Right. We begin to to actually hate our sin more and love. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Hate sin more and love righteousness more. Right. Right. So that's that's one. Two. It should also increase the knowledge and the understanding of exactly what it means to have Christ as your advocate. Right. And that. All of us fail, all of us fall short, all of us sin, right? All of us uh, fall short of God's glory because we are still warring against that old nature that's within us, right? But part of living a life that is gospel-centered 
is understanding that there is nothing in heaven or in hell or on this earth that we live in that can tear you away from the love of Jesus Christ. Nothing. Yeah. If Christ has claimed you by his blood and you are among his chosen people, that is, there is nothing that's going to break that. You can't out-sin God's grace. Please don't try, <laughs> right? But you can't, right? And we can't be put in a situation where God's going to be like, you know what, just, that was too much, too much, sorry, right? God's grace is a never-ending cup that overflows, and it will cover over everything that we bring to him, right? So bring it, yeah, right? Bring it. Bring your joys, bring your sorrows, bring your cares, bring everything that 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 you have to the foot of the cross and understand that you will not be denied. Yeah. Right? So it's holding those those, those two things in tension that I think as, as we seek to live lives that are gospel-centered, striving for the image of Christ, but also understanding that that striving and that empowerment is not done by you pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. It's done by a further and deeper reliance on, on the person that you are striving after. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, I think, um, you know, there are so many uh, different ways in which people approach uh, certain matters. And so you have someone who maybe, you know, when they're when they're either wrestling with sin or even just a, a non-sin issue of discouragement sure. or depression yeah. or loneliness, uh, everybody is different in where they have a tendency to move towards, you know, like mm-hmm. I, I have a tendency to move towards more of a, well, if I just do these things, right, then I'll be okay. Then I'll be made yep. right in this situation. Yep. And so I have like a worker's mentality. You know, if I do this, then this is the outcome. Others, you know, think, well, if I just keep, if I just keep, do, you know, feeling this way. Right. And so I think that is one of the areas where the gospel has to be applied to those things. Like literally, I, I I think people should think in the way of 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 how am I preaching to myself? Mm-hmm. What am I preaching to myself? Yep. You know, like it's often been been said that we need to preach the gospel um, to you know our pains, problems, and and you know possibilities or however it's said. Sure, sure. But I really think that one of the things we have to remember is that it has to be the true gospel. Right. We have to, as Paul talks about, we have to get the gospel right. We have mm-hmm. to stand in it. We have to believe in it. We mm-hmm. we have to understand Jesus Christ alone is how we are being saved. It's nothing else and of ourselves. I know for me, like there are times where in like deep discouragement, knowing how I, I, I just have a great need to hear the gospel, I will go on YouTube which can sometimes be a dangerous place. No, sure. <laughs> but I will go and I'll listen to this ending answer um, from James White in a debate he did where he was so discouraged on um, just the man-centered side that his opponent was debating about salvation. Mm, sure. And, you know, God's not sovereign. God's not in control. It's it's man who does all these things. And out of that discouragement, he just proclaims the gospel. And about four different groups have picked that up and, you know, like put music behind it or sure, edited sure. that section. And just hearing the gospel mm-hmm. and, and hearing this brother just walk through multiple scriptures is seriously so comforting. 
Yeah. It just kind of stops me in my tracks. It it helps me put the list away and go, okay, mm-hmm. first I need to get the gospel right and have it applied to my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Absolutely. Right? And that, yeah. I think, is, is of utmost importance. Yeah, yeah. I, I do the exact same thing, only it's with Papa Sproul. <laughs> like, you know, you know yeah. there's there, there's a lot of because here's the thing I've got such a soft spot for Sproul in that the Lord used R.C. Sproul in my life to bring me to an understanding of Reformed theology mm. and he did it over time right and he did it first by opening my eyes to God's holiness who God is right and because of who God is that's what makes the gospel so glorious right and when I need encouragement or I'm down, I'm, I'm the exact same way, David. I, I will, I mean, we're, I mean, let's, <laughs> let's get real, right? I'm, when I am very prone to try to just fix the situation for myself, I'm not mm-hmm. good at waiting, right? And there have been many, so much, uh, discouraging moments over the years, right? In pastoral ministry and in life where you're just, you're asking the Lord. I mean, it's almost like Job. Like, Lord, what are you doing? Yeah, you know, like what? What are you? I need. I don't. I don't get it. I don't understand what you're doing. I don't see in this moment, in this situation that I'm in, <clears throat> how this is bringing you glory. I don't see it. I don't see how this is helping me. Yeah, because I sure don't feel like Jesus right now. <laughs> <laughs> right, but it's that constant anchor that I have to come back to and that the Lord is faithful to remind me of, of his gospel. The simple truth that without Jesus, I am nothing, but with Jesus, I have everything that I need. Yeah. Right. And living a life that is gospel centered, how do, how do we apply the gospel to our lives? How do we live in light of the resurrection? Right. The fact that our hope is alive, right? We don't worship a dead savior. We don't worship a, a crucified uh, martyr of morality, yeah. right? We worship a savior that has conquered sin, Satan, and death. Yeah. And he is reigning right now we don't over have, everything. Yeah. Our Lord is no victim. He's a victor. 100%. Like, we, we as Christians would be so... We, I am convinced that if we as the church lived our lives... With the truth of the resurrection at the forefront more, we would see, I, I mean, I don't like the term revival because it's just been hijacked for, for so much, but but there would be so much, a, 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 new, a new reformation, if you will. Yeah, that's right? a good way to put it. Right, If we understand that the Savior that we are preaching from this pulpit, the Savior that we are singing about on this Lord's Day, the Savior that we are praying to, He's not dead. He's alive. And he showed himself to his people. And he continues to show himself to his people through his word. Right? And he is at this moment standing between you and the eyes of holiness, claiming you as his own. When God looks at you, he doesn't see a sinner damned to hell. He sees Christ pointing to you and says, Father, my blood covers him. Yeah. And the Father says, let it be done. Absolutely. Right, and it's like we, if we lived our lives with that glorious truth shining through our thoughts, our speech, and our actions, man, like how glorious and how wonderful would things be, right? Yeah, and and I think 
having that desire and having that mentality is something that we as Christians must strive for, right? And ask the Lord to give us the grace and the ability to do it. Yeah. Right? Because that's not going to come naturally, right? Right. Right? But God promises to give that to you if you ask him. Yeah. Right? You know, you mentioned how just now how it how it does not come naturally and you you see that in the context of who Paul is writing to. Yeah. He is literally saying yeah. you you are acting in a worldly way. You have all of these issues. You know, we joked earlier about if I preach from chapter five, that's a that's a terrible chapter. Oh, it's yeah, a it's necessary <laughs> chapter. But yeah, there are some hard things Paul is dealing with. Um, you know, the church in Corinth really thought that they were noble for being so worldly, so so inclusive, so accepting. And so there were some, you know, I even mentioned briefly in the exposition how later Paul calls people to examine themselves to really see if they're in the faith because they're not living in light of the gospel. They're right. not living as a changed people. Right. And that was literally one of the questions that was asked out of that. You know, I asked the question in the end, you know, have you believed upon the gospel? Mm-hmm. You know, do you believe Jesus is the resurrection and the life or have you believed in vain? Yeah. You know, if you've believed, then then celebrate and go forth in the good news of the gospel. If you have not, repent and believe. Mm-hmm. And so there's kind of a there was a there was a call to examine ourselves. And so the one question we had received um, to talk about briefly was how do we practically examine our lives to see if we are in the faith mm. through the Bible. First and foremost, that's your authority, right? And that's the lens by which we need to view everything, right? Look at your life, like, again, practically, your speech, your motives, your actions. Mirror them up to the person of Jesus Christ, the person you are called to be an ambassador for. How does it measure up, right? And again, if we're going to be honest, doesn't measure up great <laughs> because we're sinners, Right? But you can ask yourself these questions. Does your sin cause you grief? Do you despise your sin? Do you have a desire, a real true desire to have the person of Jesus Christ be more what people see than you? Hmm. Do you have a a hatred for the things that God hates? And you look at the things that you struggle with and you're like, I, Lord remove this from me, right? Do you see your brothers and sisters as individuals that are part of a family to be loved, your brothers and sisters in Christ, or do you despise the gathering, Yeah. right? Do you see your, your Savior as one that is glorious and victorious, or do you see him as something that you can take on the weekends but then live however you want throughout the week. Right. Right. Now, ultimately, it's the Holy Spirit that convicts of sin and that brings the change, right? We're not saying that, you know, the only way that you can understand if, is if you're saved is by how you feel, right? That's not what we're saying at all. Sometimes I will be 100% honest. I don't feel saved because <laughs> I'm struggling <laughs> with sin or, sure. or, 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 or maybe not sin. I'm just, I'm, I'm depressed, I'm frustrated. I'm sad, right? Because life's hard. Let's be honest. Life's difficult. Yeah. But I'm never without hope. 
and I can and I'm never without the ability to hear the gospel preached to me and remain unaffected, right? And that might be the ultimate one of the ultimate ways to to truly know when you hear the gospel preached to you, whether it be by a faithful pastor or someone like R.C. Sproul, or you see it in the Word of God, does it affect you? Are you are you unchanged by it? Can you leave it as as something that's just like, ah, I mean, it's good, you know, I, I like the gospel's great, I like it, or do you need the gospel? <laughs> Is it something that you need? Right. The older that I get, and the more that I see in my life that I despise, right the more I see how deep my need is for the gospel. Yeah. Right. And when I hear the gospel, when I'm given the gospel, man, that is a balm to the soul. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, when, when Paul is asking this or he's commanding them really to practically examine themselves, Paul's talking in the context of really desiring to see a whole spiritual health, not just in the whole church, but in the whole individual, in the whole person mm-hmm. of, of every member of that church. And and again, in in 2 Corinthians 13, he's telling them, um, I'm coming to you to address these things, to call you out for the way you've been walking in sin. And so before I point this out to you, examine yourself. <laughs> and so I think there really is a call um, both pastorally in a in a gentle but in a in a firm way where Paul is saying listen before i even get to you take the time yourself mm-hmm. and examine if if faith is in you if fruit is in you of the faith and i think what he's you know to answer this question practically for the person who's asking i think he's really talking about and this is going to sound baptist cliche but I, you know, I was thinking about this earlier and how it really seems that he, Paul is after having them examine their doctrine, their devotion, and their doxology. Mm, yeah. um, you know, what what do you say about who Christ is? If, if you're to examine yourself and say, do I truly know the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, who Christ is and what he has accomplished, how do I speak of that? Is it is it doctrinally sound? Mm-hmm. Um and then two, what does the devotion in my life look like? Um, I think these are tests is another way to translate that. You know, to practically examine yourself is literally to put yourself to the test and really examine, you know, not only your doctrine, but even your devotion and then your doxology. Like what's so fascinating to me is watching people who will talk about how they wish worship music was longer on Sundays. Hmm. And that's really that really tends to be tied to emotionalism. And I've, I've known that because in years past I was a worship leader and people would always say, man, I just kind of need like two or three songs to warm up. And I learned years later, especially in coming to reform theology, how terrible <laughs> that is of a perspective. Sure, sure. Cause what you're saying is my heart is not prepared to worship the Lord until I'm stirred to a certain degree. And then my doxology comes out. Sure. And, and I remember talking with a brother and asking, well, why, from the moment you wake up, why aren't you already preparing your heart for worship? And we talked months later, and he was saying, man, my whole perspective on singing in the congregation changed. 
Yeah. Uh, and he, and again, that came through him testing himself. Sure, sure. And the Lord really used that. And I think, again, it's not about us perfectly changing our behaviors. But to answer that question of practically examining ourselves, it's really a, it's a series of tests, I think, in our doctrine, in our devotion, in our doxology. And so in that, I think we have to really examine, is our doctrine... Uh, according to the true gospel, is our devotion in light of what the true gospel has done, and is our doxology to give God profound thanks that He gave us good news and didn't leave us in the bad news? Yeah. So there's, I, I think there's, you know, there's both a hope and there's a there's a practical call there because Paul's saying, listen, before I get there and kind of you know spank you with some discipline, or before God deals with you in punishment and discipline. Test yourselves. Examine if you are truly holding to and believing in the true gospel. Because again, like we've talked about, we don't we don't serve a a a victim savior. We serve a yeah. victor. And and in that, I think, you know, one of the points I tried to drive home in the exposition that I think is so important moving forward to the next conversation of the next episode, the next episode, is that every Sunday is a victorious resurrection Sunday. There's a particular week where where whatever we're focused on, we break from it and say, let's talk about the resurrection truth. But from the point of which Christ arose from that grave and the tomb was forever empty, Christians have celebrated on Sundays that wonderful truth that we have a victorious king. He has conquered the grave, sin, and Satan. And now through him, we go forth in the same resurrection life through Christ. That's right. So, I mean, fascinating enough, as we're talking about how important it is to get the gospel right, next week, I'll be back in First John, and we're going to talk about the Antichrist mm-hmm. and how he puts forth a false gospel right. and is completely opposed to Christ and the Father. And so it's so important that while we're in this world, we understand we're citizens of a heavenly kingdom, the kingdom of the sun, and we've been delivered from darkness. Yep. And, yeah, I mean, amen to that. <laughs> and understand that in all of that, as as we do the, the, the good and biblical work of self-evaluation, right? Understand that it is by the strength of the Savior that you stand, right? I love using the example of of Simon Peter, right? Look at how Jesus interacts with Peter, right? Peter was one of the closest disciples, friends that Christ had, right? And, like, the confession that Peter makes when Christ asks him, you know, who, who does everybody say that I am, right? And it's like, well, you're Elijah, you're this, you're that. And Christ asks him, who do you say that I am? Right. And these are the questions that 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 we ask ourselves. Who do you say Jesus is? Right. And it gets back to that 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 um, uh, uh, doctrine that you're talking about. Who do we say that Christ is? You have Christ in Scripture. Who do you say that he is? Right. And Peter gives this wonderful confession. I believe you are the son of God who has come into the world. Right. But then we see Peter (laughs) chapters later. Deny, verses, verses later. Yeah, verses I brought later. that up in yeah. the sermon. Verses later. Deny the fact that he even knows him. <laughs> yeah. Right? 
Well, he and, denies the he denies that Christ has to go and die. He, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. He denies that, and then and then oh, and, and chapters then, later, and, yes. and then and then chapters later, which is what I was talking about. Yeah, um, denies the one that he had just made this wonderful confession about. Right, right, yeah. But then he keeps missing it. He keeps missing it. But then at the end of John's Gospel, John chapter twenty one, we see Jesus and Peter come together again. And Jesus is literally asking him three, three times. Questions. Yeah. Three times. Three times, yes. Right? Three so times. Simon, son of Judah, do you love me more than these? And he says, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus says, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter said, or Simon said to him, Yes, Lord. You know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. And he said to him a third time, three confessions for three denials. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, then feed my sheep. Mm -hmm. The kindness of Jesus to give Peter the opportunity to confess his love for him, even after denying him three times. That is the Savior that we serve. And that is something that we must keep in mind as we are evaluating ourselves and will, if we're going to be honest, not going to be happy with what we see (laughs) because we are fallen people. But we have a Savior who perfectly tends our needs and ask us the question, do you love me? Yeah. And he gives us the ability to say, yes, Lord, I do. Hmm. Got to keep that in mind. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Hear not. Yeah. I mean, again, when Paul even says, test yourselves, yeah. he's not telling the Christian to go off on their own and, no. you know, have this intellectual writing out process. Literally, he's he's calling us to go before the Lord. Mm-hmm. And yeah, remember, you know, not only remember the gospel, but seek to understand how it's how it's applied. And so, yeah, we have to examine ourselves, not just in doctrine, but in devotion and not just in devotion, but in doxology. Yeah. I mean, again, Paul says um, to the Romans, um, be transformed by the renewing of of your mind. mind. This is your spiritual act of worship. Yeah. and so, yeah, I think it's a really important thing that we understand the Spirit. If we are walking in the Spirit truly, uh, the Spirit will remind us and enable us to understand not only the fruit of which the Spirit produces, love, joy, peace, faithfulness, kindness, goodness, um, but also will continue to bring to our minds Romans chapter 8 that nothing shall separate us from the love mm. of God. Therefore, we have to begin from that place. What's true about Christ? Right. So that's doctrine. Yep. And 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 then how Christ calls me to live in and through him, yep. which is devotion, and how we continue to bring thanks before God in all that he has done despite our circumstances. That's doxology. That's right. So the most important thing is seeking to get the gospel right in and out of season, and even through hardships. I am yours, save me. The prayer of every Christian that understands who they are and understands who Jesus is. Yeah, amen.
Love it, man. Well, people wanted a longer one and they got it. <laughs> there you go. We'll wish see, wish we'll granted. See who, yeah. We'll see who comes to me and says, Hey, I regret hey, what you I know told what? you. <laughs> I know I know what we talked about longer was yeah, X nay on the on, yeah. on that. Yeah. <laughs> I made a mistake. I made a massive mistake. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, hey, um, friends, we appreciate you guys listening. Uh, Saints at Redeemer. Um, this is primarily for pray that this encourages you and spurs you on to greater love of the gospel of christ but then also greater love for each other as as that is one of the primary ways that we show our devotion to christ right is by loving one another right people will see will know christ by our love and see how we love one another um that is one of the greatest evidences that we have. Right? Amen. Um, whether you are a member of Redeemer or listening abroad, we thank you for listening. We thank you uh, for joining us kind of through this journey in, in 1 John, but then, you know, obviously, 1 Corinthians here. Uh, we pray that you are encouraged to continue to listen. If you have questions, you can reach out via uh, the website, practicapod.com. Yep. Uh, we're also on all the socials, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at practicapod. You can reach us there. Um, and uh, we love hearing from you guys, answering your questions, um, and uh, get just kind of diving into the practical application of what uh, Scripture says. So, David, we'll see you next week. Looking forward, to uh, looking for another uh, dad joke. Looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Thank you all for listening to this episode of the Practical Podcast. Have a good week. Uh-huh.